0: Well, hello, everyone. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. Welcome to Business Casual, our weekly podcast, with my co hosts, Caroline DiRT Edwards and Maria Wickvilla. Maria is the founder of Applicant Lab, and Caroline, of course, is the co founder of Fortuna Admissions and the former director of admissions at NCOD. We know what this time of the year means for you, and we don't mean that you're going to be rushing out or rushing online to do your Christmas shopping. We know that for many of you, it means putting the finishing touches on your round two applications because they the deadlines for those round two applications is right around the corner. And as soon as Christmas is over and New Year's is over, uh, they start to strike like dominoes and fall one after the other. So what we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about is if you had filed an application in round one and you're tailoring it for round two, what are some of the things you need to keep in mind? <clears throat> and we actually have a, a, a piece on the site and it is called how to tell your MBA application for round two programs. It is written by one of Caroline's colleagues, Amy Hugo, and it's an excellent piece and you should read that. Um, but Maria, I wonder what, what your general guidelines are.
1: I mean, I think if, if you're applying in round two, having already applied in round one, I get that you are probably exhausted at this point. You are over it. The last thing you want to do is put together another essay. Uh, but I think until you have, you know, I like to quip that until you have a, an acceptance in hand, every school is your first choice school. So you just need to you know, sort of smack yourself out of it, get some coffee brewing. I don't know what it takes to motivate you, but you need to bring that same amount of energy. Even if your round two schools might not have been your first choice schools, even if whatever it is, you just need to keep bringing that energy to a round two application because I, I get that you're tired, but you just have to force yourself to do it because applying in round two, you know, if you, if you apply with sort of a lackluster or if your energy is not there, if it's clear that you didn't really do a lot of homework and you just threw this application together very quickly, uh, it's not going to go well. So why even bother? <laughs> don't, you know? It's almost like don't even bother applying it around two if you're just going to half-bake it. And so, and I also tell people a lot, a lot of times I'll get emails from people who are saying things like, well, gosh, you know, I had my interviews and now it's just a waiting game and I'm so stressed out. And how do I pass the time and and how do I keep myself occupied? And my answer is start writing essays for round two schools because best case scenario, you won't need them. But if you do end up needing them, at least you're ahead of the game because you will have spent four or five, six weeks working on them instead of two weeks. So that's my advice.
0: And, and, and isn't it is true that during that crunch time between Christmas and New Year's, people are feverishly trying to finish up and get things done?
1: Yes. And mistakes are made and things get sloppy, obviously, because we're all human beings.
0: <laughs> and every school wants to know that they're your first choice. It's kind of like if, if you were dating multiple people, and and but you want every one of them to know that. You know, you're really the one, but you're really not the one. How do you how do you pull that off in an application?
2: Are you speaking from experience, John?
0: No, <laughs> oh, not me. My Anything
2: goodness. you'd like to, Never. to confess to while we're on air? <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think it's even more important in some ways in round two than in round one, because as you said, a lot of people are applying now because they've been dinged in round one. And it tends to be panic time because they maybe had their hopes up for round one and assumed that they would get in somewhere and their hopes have been dashed. And so a lot of people start working on their applications for round two late, quite late in the game because they weren't sure that they would have to do it. And they also know that for a lot of the top schools, you know, this is the last chance really to get in for the next season, right? HBS doesn't even have a round three. Other schools have round threes. But... You know, very, very few places left. So this is your last chance and people start to panic. So we definitely see that and candidates sort of throwing out applications left, right and center. And, you know, scattergun is never a good strategy, right? So so schools see lots of applications in round two from people who are a little bit half hearted, a little bit sloppy, you know, not quite clear, very, very sort of general, Statements about the motivation for the school with very few specifics, and you know, it, it, it's it's those will quickly get filtered out and and put aside. So, so I think even more in round two, because schools are well aware of that phenomenon of people applying as a second choice um, to schools in round two, you have to make an even greater effort in this round to you know show and articulate that motivation. Uh, and um, and really make it genuine and authentic. So, I, you know, I think that's absolutely critical. And then also what we see is, you know, candidates think, well, you know, I'm going to have some time off over the holidays, so that's when I'm going to work on my applications, and, you know, I'll pull it all together then. And that's never a good idea, right, to leave it to the last minute because a good application is not something that you can cook up in a week or two. It takes time. It takes reflection. You're going to go through some iterations. You need to, you know, it, 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 it's like a fine wine that matures over some time, you know, at least it's weeks and months rather than years, but it's not an overnight process. And and often candidates will sort of procrastinate thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to take some time off over the holidays and I'll, I'll work on it then, and often overestimate how much free time, right? I mean, you've got to be busy with other things over the holidays, family obligations and social activities, perhaps, and so people overestimate how much they can get done during that period. And then also, if you're seeking other other people's feedback, right, if you're working with a coach or you've got, you know, maybe a colleague who's been to that school who said that they will, you know, review your application for you, don't count on them on having a ton of time over the holidays, right? And the same with your recommenders, you know, that should all be done and dusted before the holidays because people disappear over the break. And, uh, you know, it, it's often the case that people are in a panic at the beginning of January because the recommenders haven't, haven't been contactable over the holiday period and haven't, they don't know if they've submitted or not. So please don't leave everything to to that holiday period because it's often a, a recipe for disaster.
1: And to add on to what Caroline was just saying about recommenders perhaps not being available during the holiday There are other people you also need to be contacting as part of this process, one of the major ones being current students or recent alumni, because that shows at school that you have actually taken the effort to not simply research on the website, but actually reach out to a student, set up a call with them, uh, talk about the program, talk about the club, what was the media conference like last year, tell me about jobs and private equity, whatever it is. And so those students themselves are also going on break. So you really want to try to, to wrap up any, any loose ends that involve other people, you know, as soon as possible.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that often candidates uh, do a lot of research or, you know, hopefully they do a lot of research at the start of the process when they're figuring out where they want to apply and sort of, you know, finalizing that target list and preparing the application process. And sometimes that effort sort of dries up a bit once they get down to working on the nitty gritty of the, of the application and, and moving forward with the process. And it really should be a consistent ongoing effort to, um, as Maria said, you know, network with people who have relevant, um, similar interests to you, um, continue to, to um, learn about the school, follow what they're doing you know, keep up to date on, um, you know, the latest research coming out of the schools and so on, because all of that knowledge uh, will enrich your application and not just the written application, but very importantly, hopefully the interview stage, and and it will make you much better prepared candidate. And that's not something, again, that, you know, you can sort of prepare overnight. It's really a long term effort that you should be consistently doing over several months um, right through the process.
0: And becoming acquainted with faculty, if you know that you want to specialize in a certain area, get to know the faculty now because you that contact, that, that interchange that you may have could find its way in an essay, just, you know, elevating your interest in the program in a way that would impress admissions, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, when, when I... Um... Many, many moons ago when I applied to INSEAD, um, a friend of mine who'd been to INSEAD invited me to a conference at the school. Um, and then I met a professor there who I then, you know, stayed in touch with. And so, you know, anything that you can do that helps you to build those connections that, in you know, makes you a better prepared candidate actually gives you a stronger sense of, you know, why you really want to go to that school. What it is that motivates you, what you want to learn while you're there there. And you never know who might put a good word, who might put in a good word for you with the admissions committee. So, you know, all of that outreach will will pay off and and might wait, pay off in ways that, you know, you don't, you don't even anticipate.
0: Now, we're recording this on a day um, in which Harvard Business School has sent out notifications to their round one applicants. Caroline, you just mentioned offline that you have some good news. Why don't you why don't you share that news?
2: Oh, so we had um, so we have you know several clients who've just been admitted to to hBS, including a married couple. so so, um, you know, it, it's been great fun to to work with a couple. and then, you know, wonderful that they've they've been admitted to to the school together. I mean, it'll be great experience for them to 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 go to hBS together. and and, you know, sometimes it's tricky for couples applying, right? because it's uh, it's so hard to get into those top schools and and, Um, you know, doubly hard to get get in together at the same time to the same program. So so I'm really, really thrilled for them that it's worked out.
0: And it's pretty rare. I mean, Maria, how often do you see couples applying to a single school and both getting in?
1: It's difficult, right? Because I think in that case, if you're talking about a school that has a 5%, 10% acceptance rate, each one of those people now has to be in that top 10%. Uh, I don't believe that schools will say, well, you know, this one person's not that great, but well, they're a, they're a package deal so we should take them both. I don't really think that happens. And I actually, I worked with a married with a, I don't think, I don't know if they were married or just in a committed relationship, but with a couple earlier this year that against my recommendation, they wrote in their optional essays, like I am applying with so-and-so we are a couple. And if you're not going to let us both in, then don't let either one of us in. Uh. And don't, and then they also said, and don't tell us which one of us was the weaker candidate. Although the school would never really bother to say that the school's never going to be like, like, well, we, huh? Sorry. Is
0: there an outcome or that's, I don't know, uh, but
1: I will tell you that very candidly, very candidly. And this was hard for me to convey, but one person in the couple was a very strong candidate. And the other one was mediocre, probably not getting in. Uh, and so I tried to convey, I was like, that's really risky. Like, you know there are other so if if one of you gets into hbs the other one could go to mit bu bc uh you know there are so many schools that they could go to in the boston area they could go to tuck which is 3 hours away uh and so i said you know that's that's really that's really risky and i and i didn't want to say to the the stronger partner in this case was the the female i was like you know your, your boyfriend's not nearly as impressive as you are. <laughs> like I did, I didn't quite say it that way, but I was like, this is a really risky strategy. And, you know, it'd be a real shame if you limit yourself, especially cause like, if they're not married, like, Oh God, what if they break up later? And then this, this very promising woman yeah. curtailed her anyway, mm. I tried to, I tried to talk them out of it, but I don't, doesn't, I don't think I was able to. So I'm sad about that. Yeah. That yeah. really
0: that really increases the odds of a rejection. I would think if you do that, it's just got to be much more complicated on, unfortunately. And, and I would also think that that if you're a couple applying, you really should apply around one. I mean, right. Don't you think?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I absolutely agree that it's not a good idea to tell the school, you know, if you don't admit my partner, then don't bother admitting me. It seems a bit petulant, but, but, um, I think it's absolutely fine to tell the school if you are a couple applying. You know, sometimes couples aren't sure should we mention it? Should we not mention it? You know, um the, sc- the schools are um are happy to know that you're both applying. It shows um you know, commitment and motivation, right? That you have this plan that you you know, you would like to go to the school together. It's as you said, John, it's not going to it doesn't mean that they're going to um admit someone who is below par, um, but it's, it's helpful information to have. And, you know, in some scenarios, right, if they are thinking about, well, this person, we're not sure if it's their weightless material or whether they should be a straight admit, um, you know, it, it can be useful information to know if they, if their spouse or their partner has been admitted or not, or also waitlisted, you know, just to help the school manage the decisions and know what impact that's going to have on on the candidates, so it's actually fine to to mention it. I just wouldn't make a big deal out of it.
0: The other news this week is, you know, every year we do name a dean of the year. Um, this year we did it, and we had a big celebration uh, for that dean just two days ago on on the campus. The dean of the year this year is Jeff Brown, who is the dean of the Geese School of Business. Uh, the, sorry, the Geese College of Business at um, the University of Illinois in Champaign and uh, and it's primarily because of all the advances that they have made in the online learning space where they have the disruptively priced IMBA for 22.5 five and have increased their enrollment from pretty much zero five years ago to uh, over four thousand three hundred students. Uh, And that's just one aspect of what has been done there. But if you're interested in in why we named Jeff the Dean of the Year, go and look at the site uh, and look at our profile. Meantime, for all you round two folks, good luck to you. Hope you found this useful. Uh, I will again refer you to Amy's piece, um, which I think is really helpful just to think through. Um, your your final steps before you actually hit the submit button. Uh, again, it's how to tailor your MBA application for round two programs. Otherwise, good luck. This is John Bernard with Points of Quants. You've been listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast.